Here in America, work is in trouble. We've offshored our manufacturing, sent away good jobs, and lost so much ability to make things. American Giant is a company that's pushing back against this tide. They make high-quality clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more right here in the USA. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code STAPLE20. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Let's go back in time to 1932 as Converse brings you historic footage of the legendary original Celtics with whom all great professional teams are compared. We have now taken over your radio. Richie Guerin is about to show you the most important step in getting past a man. It's the first one. An Oscar will inbound it. The men in green, the Milwaukee Bucks, that's Al Cinder against Bellamy. Jordan, Allen shakes great, gets two! Gilmore on the stop! Oh, what a lead to lead our energy. You get 21! 428 to go in the first quarter for the Cal Palace. Here's Barry. Jordan, open, Chicago with the lead! Hello, and welcome back to the Over and Back Classic NBA podcast at the podiumgame.com. I am Jason Mann, and with me as always is Rich Krejci. Rich, good to be back with you. Yes, absolutely good. It's, I'm, I'm very ready, very ready for this this episode. It should be a fun one. I think it's it's a, it's an odd topic, and it's it's one of our... We don't usually get into like super subjective topics, but th- this one's got hints of that, but, I, but I'm, I'm pretty interested to see how people feel. And, th- and this is an episode in particular that I would love to hear from people who listen on what you would count or, you know, who you would say it w- would count in our criteria here or, or, or you know, seasons you remember, players you remember, anything like that. Because it's, it's a very subjective one, but it, it's going to be a lot of fun, I think. Yeah, and we're talking about players who had unexpectedly great playoff series, whether they were just like completely out of nowhere whether they were role players playing like all-stars whether they were all-stars playing like superstars just guys who just just you know just leaped off the page and were just like incredible so yeah and uh, we didn't look at the uh, I, on the opposite side i did not look at like guys who were really good who had bad playoffs. like that that doesn't interest me all that well it doesn't you know not that big of a deal yeah. you know oh this guy choked in the playoffs like i'm more interested in like you said the guy who came out of nowhere and scored 20 points in every you know game in the playoffs or whatever uh one of the themes you're going to see with a lot of the a lot of these and 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 i absolutely understand is that they're like three game series or four game series or whatever and we see these guys who you know they have a run but i think that's still pretty significant especially when you look at you know what the regular season numbers are compared to what their playoff numbers are yeah you know Three or four games of of averaging twenty points, you know, whatever. But when these guys, when they're when they're nothing's all year, and then they average four straight twenty, I mean, that that's significant. I think that's pretty cool. 
Yeah, definitely. All right, so we'll start here. Uh, 1966, 1967, Archie Clark, a Los Angeles Laker. Um, a little bit of research here, a little bit. What, what I'll do is kind of break down the regular season numbers, and then uh, you know after that we'll do we'll do the playoff numbers. But uh, regular season, uh, 10.5 points per game, 2.9 rebounds per game, 23 minutes, uh, 0.075 win shares per 48, and then a 12.3 uh, PER. Um, this this is a little bit of an interesting one because he uh, before February he had only averaged you know 7.9 points per game, uh, but after February it was 15.2. Uh, points per game. So he was a rookie. So this, this is a little bit of a different one where, you know, you have a rookie in here and, you know, he probably just needed to get trusted a little bit more, needed a little bit more playing time. But you see a pretty big transformation come playoff time. I mean, he was really, really good come playoff time. Uh, 25.7 points per game. So compare that to, you know, 10.5, uh, 4.3 rebounds per game, 41 minutes. So we went all the way to 41 minutes from 23 the rest of the year. Uh, 0.172 win shares per 48, which is, is Pretty solid. And then 18.8 uh, PER. So uh, it tells you that. Uh, game log here real quick. Uh, you know, the Lakers faced uh, the San Francisco Warriors in the first round. They, they unfortunately lost in three games. But uh, he had 26, 24, and 27 points. So not bad at all. And uh, Archie Clark ended up actually uh, being a pretty good player. He was a two-time NBA All-Star. Uh, and was one of the first uh, effective, and this is according to a few articles I read, uh, one of the first effective practitioners of the crossover dribble, which inspired his nickname, Shake and Bake. So, Shake and Bake, Archie Clark. Yeah, he also was um, uh, he was involved in the uh, trade that uh, for Will Chamberlain to the Lakers. Oh, yeah, I did. Oh, okay. All right. I did not know that, actually. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, oh, he apparently... What are your favorite Archie Clark memories? He <laughs> apparently uh, co-founded the uh, National Basketball Retired uh, Players Association with um, Oscar Robertson and the three Daves of the Busher, Bing, and Cowens. There we go. Yeah. So Archie Clark, see? Yeah. A little thing, see? You know, you do a little bit of research here, and then you end up getting a pretty cool guy, yeah. so... Yeah, yeah. Um, so... Um, uh, yeah, I, that that that's an interesting one, and um, he's a little bit. I mean, this is the one where I kind of qualified as a rookie. I, I try to kind of stay away from rookies, right? Because that's like a, that's like a hey, you know, in in the first three months, your coach probably hates you and doesn't trust you, and you don't know any of the plays, and you're terrible or whatever. But then you get going and going and going. Like this year, you're gonna get something like uh, you know, for the Bulls, uh, Nikola Mirotic. You know, as of late, has just been awesome because now he's finally getting trusted. He's getting plays ran for him and stuff. So that, I always get kind of weary of that. But he he really took a huge leap there from you know, like I said, ten point five to to you know twenty five. That that's significant enough where I thought it needed to be included. I, but I, I think that's a good choice, absolutely. All right, so I'll move on here to uh, 1977, Bob Gross from the Portland Trailblazers. And the Trailblazers will be a theme here coming up uh, pretty soon. Regular season, uh, 11.4 points per game, 4.8 rebounds per game, 27.2 minutes per game, 0.159 win shares per 48, and then a 16.2 PR. Um, he, you know, he, he had a pretty decent play. I mean, I don't, I'm not going to say he made a huge leap, but I, I'm going to kind of qualify where I really thought he he stood out. Uh, you know, playoffs in general, 14.1 points per game, a 0.203 win shares per 48, and 18.7 PR. So improved a little bit there, but uh, he was particularly awesome in the playoffs, and this was against the uh, Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, 16 points, 10. Um, oh, here's his game logs: uh, 16 points, 10 points, 19 points, uh, 10 points. And then in the final two games of the season, 25 and 24 points. And, of course, if you don't know that team, the, six, uh, the 76, 77 Portland Trailblazers are obviously the, the, the championship teams, the, the Bill Walton title teams. So to have, you know, game six and seven, 25 and 24 points in, you know, in, in route to the NBA title, fairly significant. So that's kind of why I included him on this list. Even if overall playoffs, he wasn't, you know, that much better than usual. But, but those play, I mean, the, the NBA finals, he really, really stood out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bob Gross was um, he played his entire career with the uh, Clippers or excuse me, with the uh, with the uh, Blazers, except for his final season in 83 with the uh, Clippers, where he was reunited with Bill Walton. There you go. Oh, God, that Bill. 
And uh, he, I believe he has a number retired too with Portland. He did, yes. Is that correct? He, yeah. And he went into the uh, construction business after uh, after basketball. Like, <laughs> I saw that so, on Wikipedia. Yeah. He, I mean, that's my favorite thing about like athlete Wikipedia is because it's it's like it's not obviously the modern athletes that do that, but it's all those like all the seventies and eighties guys. Like and then he ran like a home remodeling business for like twenty years and like still does. And like you, I always look it up too, and it's always I'm always like, oh, that, yeah, there it he is. is like, yeah. Or they're like real estate guys, and it's like, oh yeah, okay. <laughs> Like that's him, because yeah. But nowadays, you know, I don't think uh, I don't know if these guys are gonna. I don't know. If Kevin Durant has like a, a budgeting. Like. Yeah. Well, I mean, I even some of. The, I mean, I imagine some of them will like own businesses and will like. Oh sure, they get new investing and all that stuff. stuff. Yeah. But like the day to day, like I want right. to sit at a desk and like work at like an insurance that company. Seems less like likely, those yeah. days are are, are long. Well, long like long. I mean, like Kevin Durant might own an insurance company, yeah. but he's probably not gonna like. Well, like work the front desk at one. Like or, John Havlicek, like worked in insurance while he was a player. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. Like in the off season, yeah. it's like, oh, good. I can finally make some money this right. off season. Exactly. Like, like that's just that's <laughs> insane. Um, but yeah, it's just it, it's it's amazing the just completely different lives yeah. those guys lived. You know. Breaking uh, breaking news here. Well, the, uh, right. Like players players I, today you, make you more than they do, get, but it's, it's still pretty it's, fun. It's, no, it's fun to the, look at. Yeah. The, the 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 extreme amount of it, I guess, in in the lifestyle. I mean, yes, obviously, you know that they make a lot more money now, but you just you still think of like, I mean, athletes were still making good livings, yeah, for the most part in that time. I mean, I guess basketball was still behind baseball and football and what the guys were making probably up until the until the eighties. But um, anyway. All right, so now the star of uh, this episode, uh, Billy Ray Banks. Yes. We're going to start with uh, <laughs> here's our guy, seventy nine eighty. This is the first year with Portland Trailblazers. Um, a little bit of background on Bates. Uh, the Houston Rockets selected him in the third round of the 1978 draft. And that's one of my favorite things about the old NBA, and I wish they still did, is where they had, like, obnoxiously long amount of rounds. Like, only the first, like, two rounds ever, like, netted any, like, decent players. But still, yeah. I, I like the idea of, like, a little diamond in the rough, especially with the D-League. Like, come on, we can do more than two rounds, right? I, I mean... I, and then you get weird picks, yeah. like Carl Lewis. I, I, so, yeah, like, you I, know... I do think the weird picks are fun. Like, I would never watch it, because it would be incredible. No, it'd be horrendous. It'd yeah, be, be like, who's this guy from, like, Northeastern University? But, but like, yes, but I, I... It is pretty amazing that they used to go seven rounds deep or, or whatever. Yeah. I just want celebrity. I want I want more celebrities being drafted. <laughs> there. You that's, go. That's all I want. Okay, so. that's fair. I mean, and athletes from other sports that yeah. they hope. Hey, you gonna play NBA? No, yeah. no, not really. Oh, okay, maybe right, somebody well. would draft Bjork. That and this is the opportunity for Bjork. Yeah, yeah, yeah still. Yeah, how tall? She's kind of short though, right? Probably, but maybe she's you know, maybe she got a crossover. Who knows? <laughs> that's true. We don't know about her. She learned from Archie uh, Shaking Big Clark. Yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Full circle here. Uh, yeah. So. Peter Gunn, uh, as it, most likely, yeah, being Iceland's <laughs> right. you know greatest player, right? Yeah. Right, so of course, yeah. yes. Which I, I could not find. I, I'll, I'll look later, but uh, we'll see. Uh, uh, Billy Ray had a very interesting career uh, before the uh, the season started. The first year where he was uh, drafted by the Rockets, uh, he was cut uh, after his uh, agent demanded guaranteed money for the third rounder, and they told him, "Oh, okay, well, here's a door. <laughs> you can walk through there." Third round guy. Uh, he ended up then playing for the Maine Lumberjacks and the now defunct Continental Basketball Association. And then he won the league's rookie of the year and the slam dunk competition. And he was a big fan favorite for his, his ferocious dunks. Uh, this led to a 10 day contract with the Portland Trailblazers in 1980. Uh, and then the high flyer took the city by storm. It had almost kind of a Lynn Sanity type deal where uh came a crowd favorite for his, sl- his, his dunks. He had a very energetic playing style. Uh, and then, yeah, he um, he didn't really come out of nowhere. I mean, he, he in a way he did because it took a lot of time for, for him to really get going. But he won NBA Player of the Week uh, towards the end of his rookie season. And then the playoffs are a whole different story. Uh, real quick, uh, regular season, this is only in 16 games, mind you, but uh, 11.3 points per game, uh, 0.188 win shares per 48, and then a 24.1 PR. So while he might have not have had like the raw counting stats, like it showed that 
he was pretty good in those limited times. Like he just needed more time to really show and, and, and get out there and, and do something. And in the playoffs, he absolutely did. He, uh, uh, the minutes per game jumped all the way up to 34.7. Uh, he averaged 25 points per game, uh, 3.3 rebounds per game. Um, Quick little game logs here. Uh, this is against Seattle, the Seattle Supersonics. Uh, he had 29 points, 20 points, and then 26 points in the final game. Uh, obviously, Portland lost. But that's not the last we hear of Mr. Billy Ray Bates because then the exact next year, he uh, regular season, uh, 13.8 points per game, 20.3 minutes per game. So apparently he started sucking again. <laughs> and they said, oh, you're terrible. And then come playoff time, oh, wait, we'll start playing you again because he got really good again. Uh, 28.3 points per game. So that's a 13 to 28 jump. That's pretty uh, pretty great. Uh, 38.3 minutes per game. Uh, PR, 24.3. And then a uh, 0.194 win shares per 48. Uh, his game logs, and this is against the Kansas City Kings, uh, 25 points, 26 points, and 34 points. So, um, interestingly enough, uh, a few tidbits on him, and I'm glad he came up. Uh, his average of uh, 26.7 points per game in the playoffs stands as the highest in NBA history by a non-starter. So, he didn't start any of these games where he was putting down like 30. So, that's that's Billy Ray Bates, everybody. Um, yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, uh, uh, go well, ahead. I was going to say, he's, you know, he's talked about in the David Halberstam book um, mm-hmm. uh, on the Blazers. You know, he, right, he's kind right. of the... Um, I mean, most of most of the book is frankly depressing for the Trailblazers because of, um, you know, it basically documents Bill Walton, um, you know, his foot issues and not wanting to be on the team anymore. And, you know, the, the malaise kind of set in after that. And then Billy Ray Bates was kind of like the ray of hope in in a sense um, where like, oh, you know, they have this guy out of nowhere and he's. He's exciting for them, but obviously it was, um, you know, it, it didn't really last. It, it, it didn't go well. No, yeah. unfortunately not. No, so uh, drug issues plagued him, you know, obviously the time period. And this is a common story with a lot of the late 70s, 80s players that, yeah, drug issues uh, played him. And he ended up uh, going to the Philippine Basketball Association. So he's and, and almost, I mean, really in a lot of ways became like what, what we consider the modern like Steph Marber where, you know, you get statues built for you and there's like documentaries made about him or whatever. Billy Ray Bates was a legend in uh, the Philippine basketball. Um, uh, in his four seasons in the league, he averaged 46.2 points per game. It's not bad. That's not bad at all. Yeah. Uh, a great little uh, tidbit here. Uh, one player, uh, Joel Banal, uh, said his favorite game ever was holding Bates to a career low. This is his career low in the Philippine Basketball Association, 28 points. So that was considered the we shut down Billy Ray Bates because yeah. he only scored 28 points. Uh, so uh, There are some Billy Ray Bates highlight packages on YouTube, including some, Phil- some Philippines that, highlights. Yeah. So that, those would be interesting to see. <laughs> I, I watched some of the Blazers ones. I didn't actually get a chance to watch any of the Philippines ones. So we'll have to... Uh, you know, on our future, of course, Philippine Basketball Association show that yeah, we'll, I pay. we'll be doing. That, it sounds great. It sounds, that, it sounds awesome. That'll be on there. So. Uh, a, a few fun things, too. Uh, real, real quick, his uh, his points per game in the different leagues, and I'm not going to even try to pronounce the names of the teams that he played for. Uh, 1983, he averaged 41.7 points per game. Uh, 1986, 49.6. Uh, 1987 had a pretty good year. He uh, he averaged 54.9 points per game <laughs> and 15 rebounds. Uh, and then 1988, 31 points per game. So, uh, yeah, he, he enjoyed uh, playing the Philippines. And apparently there's some other stories, too, that he, um, similar to Wilt Chamberlain, uh, in, in there, he... he he scored a lot on the on the court and also a lot off the court as well. Apparently, according to uh, teammates, and there, there was some book that they said that he was uh, quite enjoyed his time in the Philippines. So, yeah, yeah. unfortunately, things did not go too well <laughs> for uh, old Billy. Uh, January uh, in 1998, he robbed a New Jersey Texaco at knife point, slashing the ear of the attendant, and uh, he went to jail because that is not allowed. <laughs> Robbing and then slicing a guy's ear is uh, is frowned upon in, in America. It, so, it, it, mostly, as I would imagine. 
Yes. So he unfortunately, uh, not too great post career, but uh, kind of fun. I, I, that was really interesting. How back to back years. It's just funny too. How like after that one playoff series, you would think that next year he'd be like a star, and he yeah. wasn't. It was well, kind of the same he, thing, he, and he, he played, needed to kind of prove himself yeah. again. I mean, yeah. he played pretty well during that regular season, but I mean, it was more like a role player. I mean, it wasn't exactly. Yeah, I mean, right. he, he was playing twenty minutes a game. I mean, he, you know, he had he had good numbers, but but definitely was not. Yeah, it was more like he was just a good bench player, a good six right. man. And then not, come playoff time, he's just the guy. Right. I mean, he's exactly. like the featured score yeah. off the bench, too, which is just crazy. It's yeah. is really fun. Uh, move on to 1982-80, Johnny Moore, San Antonio Spurs. Uh, regular season, 20, uh, 12.2 points per game. Uh, 9.8 assists per game. That was always Johnny Moore's game. Uh, the assist, uh, 0.123 win shares per 48, and then a 17.5 PR. Uh, come playoff time, you bump those up to 22.5 points per game, 14.6 assists per game. That was awesome. Uh, 2.5 steals, I wanted to add that. Uh, also, a really awesome 52.9 uh, three-point percentage, which, you know, 82-83, that's, that's, that's good. That's, you don't get too many of those percentages. I mean, he, led the, you know, he obviously led the league. At that time, uh, 0.256 uh, win shares per 48, and then a 25.6 uh, PR. Um, just insane assist numbers as well. Uh, he had a 20 assist uh, game against Denver, and then uh, in the against the uh, Los Angeles Lakers in the semifinals, he had an 18 assist game and then two 17 assist games. So just crazy, crazy assist numbers for Johnny Moore right here. And uh, it was kind of funny. I did a uh, a quick little play index, and only Magic Johnson in 1986 and 85 had more assists per playoff season, like in terms of the full playoffs, than Johnny Moore did in that year. So those are the only two guys, or the only person is Magic Johnson to have anywhere near the same amount of assists per game during the playoffs than, than Johnny Moore. So, and then right below him were John Stockton. So it's, it's pretty good company to keep as far as point guards. So absolutely. Yeah. He, um, actually had, um, like a really severe bout of meningitis mm-hmm. and that basically, um, you know, <laughs> ruined his career. Um, like, you know, he had it like in, in 86 and, um, and then played like five games in 87 um, and then uh, was out for a while. I guess he played in Mexico and then he came back to the Spurs for, uh, you know, for part of the 89, 90 season, but um, just completely um, took him out. He he played one game with the Nets and the rest of his uh, career with the uh, Spurs, which is, which is kind of interesting. But yeah. um, but he's another guy who probably like just one of those like early 80s point guards who's a little bit forgotten because, you know, I guess, guess pretty much magic and um and to a degree, Isaiah Thomas pretty much overshadowed yeah. everybody else. Absolutely, yeah. And um, moving on here, uh, 1998-99, Marcus Camby. This is New York Knicks' Marcus Camby. Uh, regular season, 7.2 points per game, uh, 5.5 rebounds per game. That, those are probably the only big significant ones for for Camby. Uh, come playoff time, those stepped up uh, pretty big. Uh, 10.4 points per game, uh, 7.7 rebounds per game, uh, 24.8 PR. Uh, especially in the uh, Eastern Finals, he was he was quite dominant, and this is of course the uh, the the New York Knicks that made it to the NBA Finals uh, before losing to San Antonio. But uh, he was dominant in the Eastern Finals against Indiana, fourteen point three points per game, and then ten point uh, seven rebounds per game. Uh, unfortunately, he struggled in the NBA Finals uh, when they finally got there, nine point six points per game and seven point eight rebounds per game. But I imagine you know big man Marcus Camby probably has some issues, you know, prime David Robinson and 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 you know becoming superstar Tim Duncan. So yeah, that yeah. that that might have been a tough little matchup for young Marcus, but. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, people thought Camby was going to really end up being like a superstar type player, I think. Yeah, and, and mind you, this is, you know, he w- had already been at Toronto and then was traded, you know, obviously went on to the New York Knicks. So yeah. he's already on his second This was team like right his now, fourth yeah. year, maybe. You know, I mean, it was, uh, it was yeah, so it was third career. or fourth, yeah. somewhere there. One of those two. Uh, yeah. And he had a, and during the playoffs, he had a, you know, 0. 0.280, you know, win shares per 48, so, which is really good. Yeah. So, I mean, he, you know, he really did perform um, well, you know, I guess up until those um, finals, but. 
um yeah i mean he, i mean he obviously had a good another guy with a good career but it never really quite um met the expectations that kind of people, no you know. no yeah and, and became you know a serviceable role player and, and that sort yeah, of stuff I mean, he and, was, and had some pretty good years but yeah, he was very never good, was really the the dominant big man he was never star, yeah no he never really was able to gain the weight in a lot of ways he never seemed like he was that sh- but became a really good defender and really good you know i, I obviously had a real good career but yeah, yeah as you said like the, the idea that you were gonna you know throw it down to him and he was gonna score 20 points per game or whatever it never really kind of clicked and never really happened yeah. but but found his niche and, and yeah, was I mean, able to keep it yeah, around for a while. Nothing so. to be ashamed of, obviously. But, no. um, but yeah, is it the kind of the one time where it, I don't even know if he quite fulfilled that promise in in that playoffs or for most of that playoffs? But it was kind of like a time where you could think like, oh, okay, this is like, this is what he's going to be, right? Know? And then, well, the next year he then ended up he comes back and he, he's. he's it, he's back to kind of what he was the year prior, you know, in the regular season. I was like, oh man, all right. Yeah. And then, you know, <laughs> he'd be eventually, you know, moved for, uh, I believe, uh, Antonio McDice, right? To the Nuggets? Uh, yes, I believe that's right. Yeah. And, th- and that's when I think he really started to kind of click yeah. a lot of ways. I mean, he he was okay on the Knicks, but I think on the, that little Nuggets run of Camby was when he really kind of finally started getting it together. And then, yeah. you know, obviously moved on to Houston and a few other t- Clippers, you know, for a he while. Was, he bounced around a lot. But yeah, I mean, you know, he was, I know he had a real good reputation as a defender. I don't know if that actually necessarily matched what, you know, I, I think he may have been a guy who's a little bit overrated by blocks, but mm-hmm. uh, but but still, yeah, he he was good. Marcus Camby. All right. Uh, speaking of the New York Knicks, big snacks. 2004, 2007, Jerome James. Yes, yes you probably know this one. Uh, he was a uh, supersonic at this time. Regular season, uh, Jerome James, four point nine points per game, uh, ten PR, which is uh, not good. Oh. In case you're curious, come playoff time though, Jerome James is a man. Twenty twelve point five points per game, six point eight rebounds per game, nineteen point three PR. So you know, not I mean, not great, but you could kind of make an assumption yeah. in, in twenty seven minutes per game. Right. So I mean, he he popped it up a little bit. So that that was and and you know. Totally destroyed the Kings in the first round. Uh, not as good in round two versus the Spurs, but did have a 7-for-7, seven 15-point seven, game. Uh, and that series, the Seattle Supersonics took the Spurs to six games. Fun little uh, mid, mid-2000s Seattle Supersonics. A, yeah. a long-forgotten they team had, in the annals of really, time. Yeah. They had one really good year with Nate McMillan, and then and then it kind of fell off. But their defense got really, really bad. But Yes. Uh, and as you probably know, if you follow the NBA, uh, Jerome James then got paid a lot by Mr. Isaiah Thomas. He got a five-year, $30 million free agent contract with the New York Knicks. Uh, that went swimmingly. He arrived at his first spring training. Uh, or, uh, I'm watching spring training. In the background, so that's why I said spring training. He arrived at his first training camp uh, out of shape, and in his first season, averaged only 3.1 points per game and 2.1 rebounds per game uh, in nine minutes. So yeah. uh, terrible. And then ended up going to the Bulls and being totally fat as hell. And like... Yeah. He's got the greatest. I have you ever seen the Jerome James as, as a Chicago Bull like uh, media day photo? Uh, I don't know if I have. Let me. Uh, I'm gonna send it to you in the Skype right now. Okay. It's the funny. It's like the most horribly out of shape. You, you, have, to, you have to put in the show notes or uh, or something. If uh, yeah, if it's possible. like, dude, come on. Like you can't even. Yes. I, All right, there. Uh, I, I will say one. You know, he had the great nickname of Big Snacks, of course, which is you know, <laughs> right. which is which is one of the better nicknames. Uh, oh, <laughs> that's not even like wow. that's not like. There's some guys who are like big, like Shaq. Everyone's like, oh yeah, you know, he's fat or Charles Barkley. This guy is very just wide. completely very wide. Like, like yeah, it's it's not even like there's no muscle mass. There's not even an ounce of muscle mass. Yeah. That's just straight up. Yeah. I am fat as hell. It's funny because like five years, 30 million, like it's you look at it now and it's like, well, it's not actually that terrible. But I mean, for a guy guy who does nothing and, you know, and and the cap being like 55 million at the time. Yeah, (laughs) it it was like being hamstrung by Jerome. Right. Yeah. I mean, that that was like maybe 
I mean, like it might have like been the fifth worst move that Isaiah Thomas made, but it, but it wasn't necessarily. It definitely wasn't the worst. So because well, what's funny is, is there's always that lineage of the Knicks. Just like there was one year where, and I I I, I didn't really look them up, but uh, like they got Othello Harrington, and then who was the other guy? They got some other guy, and it was like they gave like decent contracts. To these guys, like, what are you doing? Who are you, like, why are you getting these guys? Who was Othello Harrington, and who was the other one? Uh, they had Malik Rose, but I think they traded for him. Um, it wasn't Malik Rose. Who the I'm gonna look it up right now. I got I gotta find out who it was, but yeah. Like they had like a just a one good playoff series and 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 old Isaiah just had to have them and or I don't know if Isaiah was was their um their guy at that point. But, uh, he came uh, out in two thousand four, I think. So okay, so this is pre Isaiah. So okay, what am I thinking of? Uh, I'm gonna find out as long as it's gonna take. Well, it's okay, not yeah, it's not it's our next not... guy, is it? No, it is not Timmy Thomas. No, no, <laughs> that would be later. Yeah, yes, but not okay. Um, not Larry Robinson. I don't know. All right. No, I mean, I'm, I'm going to move on. I, right. I can't. That's fair. That, but that's fair. I don't know who Larry Robinson is. So I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Any, I know Eddie Robinson, <laughs> but I don't know Larry Robinson. Yeah, it wasn't Clarence Weatherspoon either, but okay. it could have been. Okay. But anyway, yeah, yeah, Jerome James fat and bad, and then it didn't work out too well. Nope. But one good playoff series. Yeah. Uh, 2005, 2006, He, he was Tim really Thomas. good in that playoff series. I like. He was. No, I mean, he was. I, really, he, I mean, that was a guy was who really I think. Good. Yes. Somebody told him, hey, by the way, you're, you're, <laughs> yes. you're a free agent. So like, and he was like, oh, shit. Like, because that was like a mode, like that. It, when you talk about it, and that's one that 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 I'm glad we we kind of talked about, because when you think of at least when I think of this, I think of like a Jerome James, a guy who just got paid simply by having one, you know a really really good playoff run. Yeah. So I, I, my guess is the Kings did not have a good defense that year. No, pro- oh god, yeah, yeah. and so no, didn't have a good big man defense anyway. Well, I'm sure I, I'm sure Isaiah was pouring over his uh, synergy and his his offensive rating as per 100 possessions. <laughs> sure. So numbers yeah. so and not and not just going blindly by hit points per game and rebounds per game but yeah. well they, they did that they had brad miller and they had kenny thomas uh brian skinner greg ostertag and uh darius Singalia. so oh what a power yes <laughs> that was the year of the chris weber trade so yeah, oh, yeah. god all right uh, as i mentioned 2006 tim thomas is the phoenix sun tim's thomas and in, in case you, you you you've probably seen videos of it it's it's great i mean that that's a guy just on a different world tim thomas who who was loving it too like you remember that you know, he was hitting threes and pounding his headband and just just loving it just having a great time a uh, regular season uh, only in 26 games uh 24 minutes per game 11 points per game uh come playoff time they'll increase that a bunch uh, 28 minutes per game, 15.1 uh, points per game, and surprisingly enough, six uh, six point three rebounds per game for old Tim Thomas. Um, you know, famously hit a game winner against the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, it just had a like, I mean, just a ridiculous. And there's, I'm sure there's a highlight video out there, but yeah, I mean, this is a guy who was just unconscious. Like any three he put up was going in, and like he was just having the time of his life with that team, and that that was an exciting team, and it was just it was just fun to see what he was able to do. And, and this is kind of funny as well because that team was was pretty solid and was thought of as being you know a really good team, but they almost lost to the Lakers in the first round, and it was Tim Thomas you know winning hitting that game winner and then having a really good I, actually uh, the, I believe in the overtime as yeah, well. It was a game tying three pointer. Um, yeah, okay, and, and right, it was yeah. game six. Like Phoenix had been down 3-1 in that series and that yeah they came back yeah, I mean, they, and, and phoenix is favored in the series yeah by the yeah, way. But yeah they were second seed the lakers were the seventh seed and not particularly good and um yeah the, the suns then he had another one in overtime they, they won a game seven and they destroyed them in game seven to complete the comeback so um and uh he played really well against the clippers as well in that uh in that series mm-hmm and he got paid pretty good. He did. Too, yeah. I, who did? Who gave him? Oh, was it, it the Knicks? It was, no, it was oh. the Clippers. It was the. Okay, that was it. Yes. Right, right, right. Yeah, I, w- I was, I was thinking it was the Knicks who paid him. No, but it was the Clippers. So, uh, another great organization. 
<laughs> yeah, it, it's funny because he, he he actually played about as well during the 2001 playoffs for, for Milwaukee, but that was in line yeah. with his season. Like Tim Thomas actually was pretty good for a while, and like it just sort of uh, it just sort of sank. I, I remember people talking. I, I remember reading an article about you busts or whatever, and guys who you know, and and remember reading like that. You know, he was like one guy who like people were just like in awe of like his natural talent. And he was just a guy who never like was um, just never able to capitalize it beyond, you know, a few moments here and there with the work ethic or whatever it was, but you know, uh, now, okay, now I remember this timeline here because I remember why I, I was so much remember Tim Thomas during this playoff series because uh, he was on the Bulls prior to that because right. he was trading the big Eddie Curry trade or whatever and then they just waved him because they didn't want him and they thought he sucked or whatever yeah. and, and you know that he was a trouble and all that sort of stuff and then I remember all my Bulls fan friends that were watching were like oh I told you Tim Thomas is good and I was like <laughs> he's not good like he's had he's like he's just chucking threes and they just happen to be going in or whatever and then of, of course I, I I proved right in the end but uh, yeah and they end up going to the Bulls again in. A trade with Jerome James. Yeah. So there you go. Ray, and it was bought out yet again by the Bulls. So, like, stop taking him a trade. Ray Allen was uh, quoted as saying, if you wanted to, Tim Thomas could be the best player in the league. And apparently Tim, <laughs> didn't want apparently to, yeah. Tim Thomas called uh, Kenyon, Kenyon <laughs> Martin a uh, Fugazi. So... <laughs> which is which is good. That's nice. I love Tim Thomas. Yeah. <laughs> he was a guy, and he was that way too. Even knowing, even as like a kid, even like I mean, not a kid, but like you just knew this guy, whatever he wanted to, and I think he knew it too. He was like, I could be good, yeah, but, but <laughs> it's just easier not to be good. <laughs> I'd rather just kind of slow. I'd rather down. be just. Chuck this I'd rather here. make you know a good money and not really work. Yeah, like, like, okay, you know. Like we talk about an all-time bust. How much money did Tim Thomas make in his career? I mean, I'm gonna look this up right now, so you can you can feel bad about your life knowing how hard you work. Yeah. And, and well, and and in fairness, like I'm sure, like by like NBA standards, Tim Thomas probably didn't work very hard. But like by regular person standards, like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. well that that's like yeah. insanely hard, you know. So. Right, and I I, I come on, I, I say that with people all the time as yeah. well because they're like, oh that guy's late. I'm like, yeah, he's probably. I mean, like, yeah, he's not like Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan level of dedication, but yeah, he's probably not. Uh, you know. Uh, let me see what he made. Oh my lord, he made ninety-seven million dollars oh, in his that's life. Not bad. So, yeah. almost <laughs> ninety-seven eight hundred. So, hey, good, good lord for him. God, like almost a billionaire. Like that's unbelievable. Oh god, that's great. I'm glad. Yeah, you know what? Hey. I don't even know what to do with my life. <laughs> you, now that you I found out very, you, you've, this is, you had the oh, reaction out of this. That's a lot of money. Okay. Yeah. Well, hey, good for, good for you, Tim yeah. Thomas. I always, I always liked you. So, yeah. Um, all right. <laughs> Final two ones on here that I have. Uh, 2007, Anton Jameson, uh, Washington Wizards, Anton Jameson, uh, which I, I forgot the Anton Jameson, uh, Washington Wizards era, but he was on there for a while. Oh, yeah. Uh, really, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Andrew Jameson yeah, was like it, a really good player for a while. Like, he, he, like, absolutely. He yeah. was absolutely like a very good, like, third best guy in her team like you know he Certainly, he was yeah. that for you know probably a decade i mean if you threw if you were trying to throw like a uh, a top 50 players of the 2000s together like he'd be on there. oh absolutely yeah. oh absolutely top 30 yeah. oh no doubt and, and and it's kind of funny here we see uh th- this particular season kind of led to a future thing in his career that could have been you know significant had everything worked out but uh regular season this year 2007 uh, 19.8 points per game. So obviously no slouch, 18.4 PR. But come playoff time, became an absolute monster. Uh, 32 points per game, 9.8 rebounds per game. 
Um, uh, 26.5 PR, so just became a you know unbelievable player. Um, and the the game logs too. And this is against the Cleveland Cavaliers, so this is the you know the early LeBron uh, Cleveland Cavaliers. Not not that early. I, he'd already been in the league a few years, but um. Uh, 28 points, uh, game one, uh, so 28 points and 14 rebounds. Game two, 31 points and 10 rebounds. Game three, 38 points and 11 rebounds. And then game four, 31 and four. Um, and, and then, like I said, you know, kind of takes back is is when Cleveland was looking for a, a guy, you know, another piece to fit le- with LeBron, you know, they went calling to Jameson. And Jameson was one of the guys that they looked at. Um, interestingly enough, I, uh, I, I should have copied this down. I should, I, you know, I had the quote or, or I had it. I was reading it uh, this year. I looked up because I tried to, I was trying to see SI Vault if they had anything here. And there was one thing about uh, LeBron James actively recruiting Larry Hughes to come to the Cleveland Cavaliers and saying, "This is where you want to go, man." Like, like you and I together, we're just going to do this thing. I mean, like, so I, I, I found that pretty funny because they were talking about uh, Larry Hughes and, and and Jameson, you know, obviously, and LeBron trying to. Recruits Larry Hughes, the free agent, well, to come to England. Well, well, so. No, I'm I'm a little, I'm confused because okay, this is 2006, 2007, but in that series, yeah. the Larry Hughes was already on the Cavs. So you're talking about the year before? Oh, that was your prior. Sorry, sorry, sorry. That's what I meant. I was looking up. Yeah, I, I looked up. Okay. Um, I'm just trying to see the context of the situation, gotcha. see kind of what what people thought of yeah. Jameson at the time. Yeah, because so because uh, Arenas didn't play in this series. Was was he was he hurt? I guess. Oh, was he? He must uh, have been. Was it? Was it and, and Crom Butler didn't play in it either. So. I guess somebody had a score. I guess that's why James yeah. scored all. I mean, he was he was, I thought, I thought his... he was efficient in that scoring too. Um, but um, but yeah, he definitely um, you know he did not um, uh, yeah he was he, he did not have a lot of help in that series. Because yeah, I'm trying to look it up right now. Um, I I think I re- recall this. Oh, anyway. you know, at the end of the end of 2007, so towards the end of the season, towards MCL against the Bobcats. That's right. So. Okay. And I guess uh, uh, and Karan Butler, I don't know what he was, but yeah, he must have been hurt too. Oh, and this is okay. Okay, so this is famous. This led to the off season where he opted out, and the Wizards gave him all that money. Yeah, ungodly amounts Even. of money that I believe they're still paying. So, uh, I, I believe the Magic are paying it, but but yes. Oh, that's right, 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 right. Yeah. Okay, I, but I, I do believe. I think it literally is like it ends this year or next year. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh boy. All right. So yeah, that that's there's the context of that. But yeah, no, the the article was basically just like that. Um. LeBron really wanted to play with Larry Hughes, which I found kind of funny. Cause right, yeah. That, not that Larry Hughes is a bad player. No, and, and he was good, but they were a really terrible compliment for each other. Like, because Larry Hughes couldn't shoot. Yeah, it didn't and work. And LeBron yeah. couldn't shoot at that point either. So that was, you know, I mean, in theory, Hughes was going to, like, be the kind of like the wing defender and sort of be the Pippen in, you know, kind of in some respect. Um, but, yeah, so, so, so I'm looking up right now. It was two years prior that this was. But I, I basically just looked up Jameson Cleveland Cavaliers just to get an idea of of you know just just in general what they thought of him because you know obviously he would be one of the big pieces that they would you know in the final years of LeBron in Cleveland they would try to bring Jameson in to kind of make a playoff push and yeah. or you know re- not a playoff push but like an NBA Finals push and you know it just didn't quite work out but yeah, yeah that's uh, yeah Jameson was traded to the Cavs in in twenty ten that was that was yep. LeBron's last year there um and uh, oh was it last year what was the shit was the Shaq year was this the same as the Shaq year um or was that the year prior I, I was I mixed those up the year that they decided. Uh, that was, um, yes, that was also the Shaq year. They added Anthony. Okay. So that was just all hands on deck. Oh my God. We better figure out something. And there have been talk of, it's always been rumored, but I I think Steve Kerr has denied it where the, apparently, uh, JJ Hickson for Amari Stoudemire was on the table, but the, uh, but the Cavs said no, because they didn't want to get rid of JJ Hickson. That, that has been like rumored. I, I, I kind of find that not to be. 
kind of That's unbelievable. Right. But, but they ended up trading. They ended up making the Anthony Jameson trade instead. And, and Jameson yeah. just wasn't really a great fit for that team. It didn't work out either. I mean, they yeah. were, you know, they won 61 games. I mean, it's not like they, not like they were terrible, but, um, that would have been like that's if you had put them two together maybe for a whole year and kind of figured out each other's roles yeah. and all that sort of. But yeah, it, it didn't quite. And that was that was a long line of like, here, LeBron, here's another guy that's like without any idea of if they're going to compliment him if they're going. It was just here's a guy that's good. Like yeah, I mean, there you go. They had a lot like, of they had a lot of old guys and they just didn't you know like they just didn't really have like the right pieces so to speak. Yeah. Didn't quite work out. And then the last one I have here, and of course, as I mentioned at the top, if you have any that you have in mind or, or people that you remember or, you know, seasons you remember, guys you remember, whatever, please let us know on Twitter, you know, at Over and Back NBA. We'd love to kind of hear about it and talk about it and discuss it because I think it's a pretty fun topic uh, if there's any. And it's kind of funny. Some that you think uh, they didn't really do as well as you thought. Like you, you mentioned J.J. Barea in uh, 2010-2011, who I thought as well because that guy was, you know, all over the place for those title teams. But nothing really showed up in the box. So it was hard to quantify what he did. But I remember him having a big impact in those playoffs, but it was hard to kind of quantify there but but that's the fun of it so uh last one i came up with the, and, and this one's a little bit similar to our first one uh, this is a guy who i think was just sort of still a young player that finally was getting trust a little bit more but uh it's the 2013 Kawhi leonard uh san antonio spurs um you know regular season 11 point uh nine points per game uh 16.4 pr 1.66 win shares per 48 so not bad at all but uh come playoff time got a little bit better uh 13.5 points per game uh 18.9 pr uh and then a Point uh, one nine four win shares per forty eight, but in particular in the NBA Finals against the Miami Heat is when he really stood out. I mean, he was a guy who, as a defender, was kind of becoming a new man and and really would turn into the quiet Leonard that we know today. But uh, averaged fourteen point six points per game and eleven point one rebounds per game. You know, on the biggest stage or whatever, and 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 a lot of times was guarding LeBron or was at least guarding you know you know. In in some respects, either guarding LeBron or guarding you know Dwayne Wade, so so always having the, the you know the toughest matchup there, and and really became what we know of Kawhi Leonard today, where where Pop really believes in him as as and and you can make the justification. I mean, you could really honestly make the argument that he's their, I well, I would say you know this year especially their most valuable player, or at least you know right up there with you know maybe a Tony Parker. So yeah, I mean, I think he's it's 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 either there or very close to there at, at this point. Yeah. I mean, just the way that I think defensively in particular, um, he's just amazing. And that whole identity. Yeah. The, the defensive identity is all him. I mean, that, that, I don't know if that ship still is going if, if he's not there. Right. Doing, yeah. Doing and he's so. really, I've obviously taken a bigger role in the offense too. And, uh, you know, he, he's, he was hurt a lot of this year. So it's kind of taken in, up until recently, the last 20 games or so for him to really get on track, but it's really, uh, you know, they, they seem very scary now, um, you know, going into the uh, going into the playoffs and, uh, you know, seem like San Antonio again. So that'll be interesting to see how that uh, all plays out. But either way, he's, you know, he, he's he he's a gift to them. So and, he, you know, they could they could be really good for a long time, even after, you know, they move on from, you know, Duncan and Ginobili and eventually Parker. So uh, which is scary to think. I mean, they've had. 18 years of 50 win seasons <laughs> no fair. in a row plus i mean and that's not even including the 99 season where there were 50 games um but so you could you know you're you're at close close to 20 or whatever uh, whatever it is it's it's so many and it's incredible uh and i i don't know if we quite like uh have like a um equivalent to that that long the longevity of that brilliance is pretty amazing. Like in almost in any sport, particularly in basketball where it's really hard to do that. Yeah. It, it's going to take, it's really honestly, cause I feel like even still, I don't know if we quite 
appreciate it as much as we should. And it, it's almost going to take them all retiring and it being over and somebody writing like the definitive book or whatever. You, you know what I mean? Like, sure. I, I don't know what, maybe it's not a book. I mean, obviously, you know, it could just be, you know, anything. But I think it's going to take a while for us to really, and of course, it might not be over. Like you said, it, yeah. you know, Pop and, and right. Leonard might be for another yeah. 15 Or, years. I mean, and if, another if guy they, comes if they yeah. somehow get back-to-back titles, if they win this year and get back-to-back titles, I mean, that'll, that'll change, you know, what they're thought of, uh, you know. Sure. Which I always find really stupid. Well, I mean, well, they don't win back. No, but I, yeah, I, I know what you I mean. mean I, I get I it. Like mean. I get, you know, like they've won five in fifteen years or whatever. That's pretty amazing. But, but yes, I, I, I I've gotten into arguments with people that it's oh, they're not a dynasty because they never had back to back. And I was like, you are, yeah, I, didn't, I think that's <laughs> like, out of your I mind. Like, what are you talking? Yeah, about? I think that's like, overly semantical. Um, <laughs> like you're just unbelievable. Like I would what say, what they, thing, I, yeah. I would say, what they have done is more impressive than the Lakers winning three in a row. Exactly, yeah, it's longevity I mean, and yeah. doing it with completely. I mean, like yeah, and everybody, yeah, of course they have. But really, I mean, people sort of say, oh, they've always had the same, you know, few guys. Well, yeah, I mean, they've had Tim Duncan, but the beginning, you know, the David Robinson years or whatever. And then that last David Robinson year, I mean, the, the Parker and Ginobili weren't what they were. I mean, that was sure. that was not the same team. I mean, they, they really are not the same teams. I mean, yeah, there's the same, yeah. you know, two or three and, guys or whatever. And but, they play completely differently. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, and like, the game like, has completely changed. And, they, and yet they've managed to, you know. Well, because that's how I can yeah. out these people is they don't know what the hell they're talking about because they're like, oh, they're boring. And I'm like, they're not. I mean, OK, yes, that that 2003 title team. Yeah, I agree. They were boring. This this team is not like right. they play fast as hell. Like and the best thing ever. I don't know if you've um, how much you look at kind of the the the. Uh, it, it, the, the the tracking the motion tracking stuff is to watch what Tim Duncan and how he conserves his energy these days where he basically doesn't go up like past half court yeah it's like Kareem if you if you can't yeah, yeah like you know like Bill Russell he's just like yep there you go there's the ball just do what you guys are gonna do I'll be over here okay good you scored all right yeah. <laughs> I'm here like <laughs> like if I need to come back I will but otherwise I don't I don't really care to you guys can kind of just do what you want to do over there I'll just be over here so I love it <laughs> indeed. Um, good list. That's all I got. Yeah, yeah, that's all I got. So yeah, as mentioned, please, if if anybody has, I would love to, love to, love to, love to hear your other ones as well. So and there was a bunch. You know, Jason Terry uh, with that Mavericks team I looked at was a pretty interesting one as well. But yeah, um, really good. Jason Kidd uh, that year when he became a really good, you know, three point shooter for for the title Mavericks team. But yeah, I'd, I'd love to hear if you have any uh, any ones in your in your mind that you thought of. Definitely let us know and and maybe we'll make a blog post or something about it. So yeah. Uh, I would uh, th- that would be cool. I would appreciate that. Of course, everyone can check us out at um, twitter.com slash over and back NBA. Um, also, facebook.com over and back NBA. And uh, we have a website at over and back uh, that we promised to update someday. And um, but we pinky swear. But, yes. Uh, of course, our post our uh, podcasts are at the podium You can also uh Check us out at the Hardwood Paroxysm uh, Basketball Network of Podcasts on iTunes. Uh, we would appreciate a rating and review, not just for us, but for all the great uh, podcasts on the network, of which there are many and varied and are, are quite awesome. And um, did I forget anything, Rich? I think that's it. I think you got all it. All right, cool. Well, uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, Rich, it's been a, a pleasure. And uh, and we'll uh, we'll be back soon. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.